Welcome to the Big Fundamental Podcast, a San Antonio Spurs podcast brought to you by Kens 5, the official TV station of the Spurs. I am Jackson Floyd, and joining me this week, we've got Kens 5 sports anchor Joe Reinagle. How are you doing today, Joe? I'm doing great. It's good to be back, and uh, the NBA season is upon us. That's good. Yeah, you seem excited. Tom, you seem a little uh, dour. That's Tom Petrini, Kins 5 Digital Sports Writer. How are you doing there, Tom? I'll, I'll be all right. I'm, we got one sleep till Spurs basketball, maybe maybe a little less. I'm just I, – I tried to buy a used car today, and I uh, – <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be a little bit out of it for the next week or two just thinking about <laughs> that. But, hey, uh, we got NBA basketball tonight. Right, yeah. we got we got Spurs basketball on Wednesday, season opener against the Magic. Yeah, uh, I'm so excited for like, preseason to be over and and season to be here, basketball to be here. It's like Christmas Eve. Um, I'm looking forward to having a lot to talk about. Not that there wasn't a lot to talk about this off season, but it's always more fun to talk about what's happening on the court as opposed to off of it. But Yesterday was the final uh, off-the-court kind of roster finalization for the Spurs before the f- season officially tips off tonight. Um, earlier into preseason training camp, they did waive Luka Shamanich, the 19th pick just two years ago. Joe, what was your reaction to, to seeing the, the Spurs take that action, to, to let Shamanich go, and what does that mean? It- you know, I really wasn't surprised. You know, Samanich, I think, was a was a guy that came in here with high expectations, obviously, to draft him as high as they did. But I just don't think he was ever able to take that next step. Uh, and you can blame him. You can blame the Spurs, maybe a combination of the two. But he just wasn't the guy the Spurs thought he was going to be. And so, uh, you know, and, you, and you'd watch him on the floor sometimes in, in this preseason. And you could see signs that he, it just didn't seem like his heart was in it sometimes, uh, just from a hustle standpoint. Um, and I know, and you guys know as well as anybody, I mean, Pop's not going to put up with that. And that's just not something that he wants on this basketball team. So it didn't really surprise me. I'm glad that he ended up uh, with another team. Hopefully he can develop there and, and become the player that everybody thought he would be. But not, not surprised that he's gone. Yeah, Joe, like you uh, were alluding to there, he did sign a two-way contract with the New York Knicks. It was funny watching uh, New York's uh, New York Knicks fans on Twitter kind of react to it. It's like, you know, this is it. We got our guy, you know. It's a three-point <laughs> three shooter to put next to Randall. And it's like, oh, maybe you guys haven't seen Shamanich. Uh, specifically, the play uh, that that uh, preceded his uh, his wavering, his waving there uh, from the team. Uh, Tom, talk us through what, what the last time we saw Luka Shamanich on the court in the silver and black. What happened uh, that, that led to him being cut from the team? So it was a preseason game against the Magic. Um, and Pop's starting lineup and main rotation had built basically an 18-point lead in the fourth quarter. Uh, then a lineup that was basically rookies Josh Primo, Joe Wieskamp, um, Bryn Forbes, uh, Keita Bates-Diop, and Drew Eubanks. And the Magic left their starters in, basically. Uh, And they were, like, hitting shots, getting into it, talking a little trash, which was very funny to see. Uh, But anyway, they were motivated. And uh, there's about four minutes left in the game... Spurs are clinging to a six-point lead, and that's when Luka Shamanich gets put in the game for the first time. Um, and it's... Uh, for a guy who's always kind of struggled or never really consistently brought the on-court want to, um, it, was a, it was not a great situation for him to go into, but he definitely did not make the most of it. And a play that immediately, like within a minute of him getting on the floor... Um, he made a play that had Spurs fans. There were already some rumblings like, oh, they should cut Luka. But, you know, I didn't see them as very serious because it was like they invested in this guy as a long-term project. He's two years into his rookie deal. If he was going to amount to anything, it'll be in the latter half of that. You know, they drafted him for his long-term potential. Uh, so I didn't think that he was going to be cut. But then he uh, – there's a pass from Primo to him – that maybe he could have moved toward a little bit uh, more aggressively, but it got picked off by Cole Anthony. Cole Anthony goes the other way. And for a moment, Luka Shamanich is next to him, chasing him. And then he just stops. Uh, and it, I didn't see it in the moment. I looked back when you know somebody posted it, and I, 
my initial reaction was like, okay, yeah, that looks bad, but you know, it's a preseason game. You don't want to hurt anybody. You don't want to take a clear path foul in that situation. Like whatever. But then the rest of the game too, there was another where he just completely missed a help side rotation. Uh, even on the game-winning three, he assisted on the game-winning three to Katabase Diop, who was taking his roster spot, uh, and it was a dribble handoff late in the clock, and he, you know, game on the line, and he didn't really look super interested in setting a screen. He was playing like he knew he was going to get waived, which maybe he did, we don't know. Um, but uh, basically what it came down to for Spurs fans that night, and apparently for Greg Popovich and for Spurs decision makers that night was uh, he was essentially playing for his roster spot and he very clearly gave up on a play. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it might be an instance of pop sacrificing a player on the altar of everybody's got to play hard. Um, Wouldn't put it past him. Um, But, you know, even if even if we weren't surprised that it happened, I, I was personally surprised that it happened. Um, but it is a surprise, you know, if on draft night you were like, in two years they're going to cut this guy. If you told me that, I was like, they still would be like, you know, about a percent of the way into their, like 10% of the, the way into their plan with him, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, there's still so much... For them to do so, for them to walk away from this project with investing a, a high pick for this team um, and and two years of development, and this would would have been the year where he would have had the biggest opportunity to show what he could do on the NBA level, and for them to at this point be like, you know what, it's it's not even worth keeping you around on the roster. Yeah. But, you know, and, and, and everything you're saying is making sense. But, uh, you know, even though, yeah, this is his time and he's a development guy, you got to show me something in those first two years. I mean, you can't just, you know, tread water for two years and not improve and not get better and not be invested in what you're trying to do here to stay on board. So I don't think this was a, a one game thing, Tom, and I don't think you really do either. But, you know, that was maybe the cherry on top what happened that game the game before that Keldon Johnson showing him where to go yeah, I mean yeah. I saw that clearly Keldon Johnson over here and I mean you know after after two years you still don't know where to go in pops offense uh, or defense or whatever the case is and I think you've got to show some improvement we talk about this all the time on this podcast how DeJounte Murray has improved his game here Keldon Johnson has improved his game here I couldn't tell you where Lucas Shamanich has improved his game anywhere over the two years that he's been here. So I think it was a project, but there was just no movement there. And, and I think Pop was just done with it. So the, the thing that I saw watching him, you know, as, as he played some in Austin, when he, when he came into the league, like, it was very clear on draft night, this is a guy who's a year away from being a year away. I think anytime a, a player enters the Spurs system, first it's, you know, is your body ready? If the answer to that question is no, it starts with getting the body ready. And that was basically his first year in the league. He came in as a, a beanpole. I think he was like 220, maybe. Um, and he's up to one, uh, 235 now. And, um, you know, basically just game slowing down for him, that sort of stuff. It was happening at, a, at an incremental level. But that's the thing is the Spurs drafted this guy knowing that that would be the path, right? And I think that if they were getting the, you know, on-court effort and focus because you know i'm sure he's in the gym i'm sure he's working out and trying to build build those skills um but it just comes down to in the game you know even if you're not comfortable out there are you hustling yeah like like that's something we've heard all of these players talk about really since that game but even before that is i I forget who said it this week but it was i think it might have been Devin. you know there are a lot of things in a basketball game that you can't control but you can always control hustle and effort and, um, you know, this, I, I think going into the season this way, um, it's definitely a message to Spurs players like, hey, you got to bring it. 
we every everyone has to be on the same page and pulling. Yeah. I mean, if they were going to waive Luka Shamanic, they had eight more days to do it from the time they did. And I think it's pretty telling that they did it after that game, specifically when that one play was kind of making the rounds. And I mean, they'd seen it on tape there even before those people on social media were sharing it out and uh, calling for him to be cut. I mean... It, He's a guy with all the all the physical skills, you know. There's a reason they drafted him. He has the raw tools. It was all about polishing it and the effort that needed to do that. And you know, we've talked about effort on this podcast when talking about whether or not Ben Simmons can improve and the effort required to do that. And the Spurs clearly through two seasons plus, you know, you know, this preseason and training camp hadn't seen that effort there. Um, I, I think it's pretty telling as well that um, everything they said after the fact, you know, Popovich speaking about it. Um, and uh, some of the players like Jakob Pertl speaking about it was all about effort and energy and the energy required to, to play on this team this year and the hustle. And then the very next game, there is a play that's quite the opposite, maybe the exact opposite of the Shamanich play. You know, you're talking about uh, the Luka Shamanich play. He's the guy at the bottom of the roster, not, not hustling back on defense, things like that. Next game, DeJounte Murray has a play where he hustles back uh, from the defensive side, runs down the ball on the opposite side before he can go out. He's able to save that. He leads to an easy scoring opportunity for Keldon Johnson as they run the court there. And I mean, that tweet, that, that clip, you know, the Spurs shared it out saying, look at the energy, look at the hustle. You know, it, it felt very, uh, very uh, in the moment, you know. So, uh, yeah, I mean, De- DeJounte doing that, first of all, I mean, that guy can run. Yeah, <laughs> he is fast. <laughs> he, yes, is, he is. He can run fast. That's my professional analysis for you there. DeJounte Murray can run fast. But like. You know, same thing, preseason game, you know, like you, you can't really put too much stock into it. If he gave up on that play, nobody would have batted an eye. But, you know, like chills watching it. Like, yeah. like that was like, like, oh, God, that was so much fun to see. Uh, and it, it just got you stoked about the uh, the energy, like, like not just like energy for that play but like the overall energy of the team um they're they're bringing something very different this year those are your two team leaders going out there and leading so it was good to see uh the other move they made to to shore up the roster to 15 guaranteed nba contracts was waving alf rook amino aminu joe were there any surprises there he he seemed to be the guy the odd man out for this team right he played six minutes right in the preseason (laughs) i think something like that so i mean the writing was on the wall there i think it was the the minute they brought him in he wasn't going to stay here so uh he was one of those guys i mean we talked about it you know they had to get rid of a couple of guys and uh you always knew aminu was one guy (laughs) shamanich was a guy that came in late but uh aminu was out of here yeah i mean Tom, was there a trade that may have been option uh, on the on the table there? You know, packaging him with something like that, or so, maybe just getting a pick, or was was waving the the only option here for them? Not now. Yeah. Um, the thing with Al Camino, the reason that he came to San Antonio was to make salaries match in a Demar Derozan sign and trade. Yeah. Uh, the Spurs got Thad Young on an expiring deal. They're going to be going into the season with him. They got a first round pick. Aminu was always, I mean. He signed a deal in Orlando that looked bloated at the time um, and then became even more bad value once he, you know, suffered some injuries that kept him out and basically couldn't, you know, hang in the rotation there in Chicago. Um, We should have known it was over when the Spurs gave him number 77. Uh, (laughs) Shout out out Joffrey Laverne and Damari Carroll. Uh, It's not a good number if you're trying to make uh, the roster for the Spurs. Um, But yeah, if if the Spurs didn't have a roster crunch and they could have held on to him through the trade deadline, then maybe they could have included him to make salaries match in a trade where they're sending either, you know, guys on rookie deals or, you know, picks or whatever it may be. Um, that would have had marginal value, I suppose. Hmm. Um, I think Kate Bates Diop is going to provide marginal on-court value too. Um, but yeah, the, the thing with Luca was that I, I did not think there was any universe where it would make sense for the Spurs moving forward, you know, short-term and long-term, you know, like for the Spurs to say, we want the short-term production of Keita Bates-Diop over any long-term potential that Luka Shamanich has, like that, that, that's them very confidently saying like, we made a 
pretty big mistake with this pick. Yeah, and I mean, going back to it, you know, he's going to have a chance, right, with the Knicks to make sure. the roster. It's a the thought of contract. him going from, like, not hustling enough for Pop to now going to be playing for Thibs, a yeah. Thibs-coached organization – hilarious to me maybe he's a kid who just needed brighter <laughs> lights and bigger city right joe but i mean like yeah. even if he goes to the knicks and makes the roster and develops into a good nba player a guy who's getting the minutes you know maybe he even is a fringe all-star down the road because he's still young and he's got the tools that's not a, that's not a knock on the spurs right joe they didn't they didn't throw him away too early you know I don't think so. And I, and I think that's just Greg Popovich. I yeah. mean, you're going to come here. You're going to play. You're going to hustle. You're going to put your heart out. Pop has said it many times. I've heard him over the years. As long as we're putting in the effort, even if we lose, I can live with that. Yeah. But Pop is just one of those guys that if you're not going to bring it and, and, and give him 100% out there on the floor every minute that you're out there, he's got no business with you. And I think that's exactly what happened with Shamanich. Pop yeah. was just said, that's it. I, I, I just can't do it anymore. So, I I, I kind of disagree. I think mm. that if Shamanich goes on to have like like if if Luka Shamanich becomes like a a fringe all star, like yeah that that reflects really poorly on the Spurs because then it then it will mean that the Spurs were wrong like three times on Luka Shamanich, um, because at this point they've said we were they've basically through their actions said we were wrong to draft him here, uh, if he then goes on to, you know, produce, then it's like, okay, you, you had something here, but for whatever reason, you, A, were not able to extract it from him, and then B, you know, toss, toss that ticket before the race was over and, you know, gave up on him too soon. So, I, yeah, I, I think that, um, like, for, for now, we can look at this and say, okay, Things didn't work out between the Spurs and Luka Shamanich. You know, it, there's blame to share. None of it's a, a huge deal in in the grand scheme of things. Um, but but if the the Spurs still have a chance to be wrong on Luka Shamanich again, yeah. Uh, so but, it's something that I'll I'll be keeping an eye on. I mean, he's going to be playing in, sure. in Westchester for most of the games, right? Yeah. It's uh, Westchester. Fine city, but the lights are not brighter than they are here. Uh, you know, like it's um, it's going to be a grind for him. Yeah. But if he if he can, and you know, this could be one of those things that like maybe something clicks now for him. Maybe maybe he never would have gotten there if this didn't happen. Maybe it's one of those kind of things. But still, you like the better he does, the worse it will look for the Spurs. In my, Here's in my what's got to click for Shamanich, though, right here. Okay, Mm. we've mentioned it. He's got the tools. The problem is here, his want to, and here, his heart. That's where he's got to flip a switch somewhere, or somebody's got to be able to do that. And I'm not sure that, you know, just a a change of scenery with a different coaching staff and different players is going to fix what's in here. Shamanich has got to do that himself, and he's got to decide he's going to, he wants to be an NBA basketball player and a good one. And if he never decides that, uh, then he's all done. Right. I'm not going to bet anything on Luka Shamanich. I don't wish him any bad luck. That's not what I'm saying here. But until he changes this, he's not going to make it. He won't make it with the Knicks. He won't make it with the Spurs. He won't make it with anybody. He's got to fix that heart somehow and the desire to go out there and play basketball. Right. I don't think it's the change of scenery thing that might make a difference for that mentality part. I think it's you know the realization that, like, oh, man, the Spurs – Believed in me enough to take me with a first-round pick, and then after two years with me, decided that I wasn't worth keeping around. Like, I I don't underestimate the force that that sort of event could have on a young NBA player's psyche. Yeah, um, this is a, a turning point for him. You know, it's a this transformational a, moment for him. For he sure. gets the chance to to kind of look at himself and reevaluate things, uh, and that, that that's always a good thing. Shamanich gone, Aminu gone. The Spurs roster is uh, at 15 guaranteed contracts, which means the average age for the Spurs team is younger than Tom, if, if you will. <laughs> I was hoping you wouldn't say it. 
but I mean, that's uh, a good thing because you're young. So I mean, it's, yeah. if it's younger than you, you know, it's saying it's it's younger than Joe and me too. So uh, that yeah, helps together combined, probably right. I mean, yeah, yeah you know what I'm talking about. You add our ages I'm, I'm, together. I'm the, I'm the grandpa of that. I'm team, not as okay, old so. as you guys, but I might as well be. Is what we're saying. There you go. God. Um, a few other moves they uh, they made over the um, the last uh, as the deadline approached yesterday. They did sign uh, their last two way contract, uh, Devonte Kaycop, NBA champion Devonte Kaycock. He was with that 2020 <laughs> LA Lakers team. Didn't really contribute. I don't know much about him other than you know he is a guy who set um, his senior year uh, was the uh, most double doubles in the NCAA, um, and he also I think. Uh, Average what he he had a game where he had twenty points and fifteen rebounds in the G League last year. So he's a hustle guy. You know, he's a guy who's going to pull in some boards and score some points at that level. And maybe this is just uh, a move to kind of see what they can get. You know, from an energy guy as opposed to having uh, someone who was an energy guy like Shamanich. But um, yeah, I mean, just a little splash, right, Joe? Not nothing big there. Um, I, nothing yeah. big. You got a guy out there that's obviously got some talent. He's got some hustle. He's got some desire. So and he's and he's floating out there. You know, yeah. pick him up, put him in the G League, see what happens, and who knows? Maybe you've got a diamond in the rough uh, that two, three years down the road is a is a very good player for you. Yeah. The other notable move yesterday was actually a, 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 an inaction, no move whatsoever. Uh, the team was uh, negotiating with Lonnie Walker the fourth on a contract extension. Uh, if he didn't agree to one yesterday, he would be a re- restricted free agent at the end of the season. That seems to be that, that's where we're headed now. They did not come to a deal. Tom, is that um, a um, a mark on Lonnie as a player, or what, what's the what's the what are you reading in the tea leaves for, from the fact that they're not going to come to a deal right now? Uh, no. So yeah. back to Devonte Kaycock. No, <laughs> I, uh, I'm I'm kidding. I do want to say about Kaycock yeah. though. He's not just a G League guy. Like he he was like a G League all rookie, like almost rookie of the year caliber player, and apparently uh, all energy. So again, yeah. you know, following a theme here. But Lonnie, um, this just made sense for all parties involved. Um, to the point where it almost would have surprised me if a deal got done because both sides have so much to gain by waiting. Mm. Um, you know, whatever Lonnie Walker earns as a raise with his play this this year, he'll have his best chance to do it. And he's, you know, everybody has talked about, you know, the veterans being gone, the increased responsibility and increased opportunity for the young guys. He said it feels empowering. They've all been waiting for this. Um, and he's going to be asked to do a lot for this team. He's going to be asked to do more than he's ever been asked to do for this team. And based on his production on what they've asked him to do so far, um, you know, the the salary cap experts, the league experts will tell you he's like a replacement level player. Like, you know, you can get guards that do what he does and it's fine. Um so he doesn't view himself that way. He shouldn't, I don't think, um, because he knows that he has the, uh, the body, the athleticism, the skill that he's been building to be a really high-quality NBA player. Mm. Um, and this being his best opportunity to show that to the people who write the checks here and elsewhere makes 100% sense for him to go into this season um, you know, knowing that he'll be a restricted free agent and then, you know, seeing what uh, teams are willing to offer him. It can backfire if he gets hurt, but, um, you know, and for the Spurs, they are now going to be able to, if things don't work out, have a max salary slot next offseason. So for, for both the team and the player, it made a lot of sense to be like, let's just see where we're at in a year. Yeah. You know? Um, so... Uh, if you were excited about the Shamanich thing, uh, as like an, I told you so moment and you, cause it's the same Rorschach test, right? With Lonnie and, and Shamanich, it'll give you the same read on a fans, uh, you know, belief in, in the youth questions about effort and consistency. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's a similar thing. Um, but the decision to not extend Lonnie Walker is not anywhere close to the decision to uh, cut Luka Shamanich. They're very different. Um, and this one uh, makes a lot of sense in the grand scheme of things. 
you, you mentioned the, the salary side of this, the money side of this. Going into next offseason right now, the Spurs have $38 million in free space to move, to maneuver around. That, that's a max contract. That's an a, a, a ample amount of money to, to work with in terms of what they can do. If they had signed Lonnie, that cuts into that significantly, you know, because all of that money counts towards next year's cap. This gives them the freedom to, to look at the landscape, see what they need to do. If Lonnie's the best option, that's what they'll get going forward. Uh, but yeah, in terms of Lonnie betting on himself, Joe, did the preseason give you an indication as to the role Walker is going to play? I know we have expectations, our ideas as to him maybe being that Manu guy in the second unit. Is that what you saw in the preseason from him? I think that's exactly what they're looking at Lonnie to do is to be that sixth guy off the bench and to come in there and provide some energy, uh, you know, really provide a, a, a bump, if you will, especially if things aren't going well with the first group. He comes in and, and does his thing. And, and, and just back to the salary for just a minute, I honestly believe not that it, I, I'm going to weigh this toward Lonnie. I think the Spurs said, we'll sign you to this. And Lonnie said, no, I think I can do better. Let me prove it to you this year. I, I really believe this was more Lonnie's decision than it was the Spurs. I, you know, and I know everybody, I have no way to prove that, but what I, I just think Lonnie believes in himself so much. And I think that the Spurs may have come in with an offer that he just said, you know, I, I think I can do better than that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because of the salary cap that you're talking about, not wanting to really dive deep into that. And Spurs are saying, well, you know, if we can – catch Lonnie for another three years uh, at this amount, we're doing pretty good. So I'm going to lean that this might have been Lonnie's decision all along. So we'll see what happens there. But I think Lonnie's got a lot to prove. He is a hustle guy. He's got the, a huge heart. And uh, he, he's a Greg Popovich type of player. And so I think that uh, this is going to be a real interesting season for him. But I, I look at it, and I know he's been talking to Monte Ginobili quite a bit. Uh, he said that. I've heard other people that, that – that Mono's been working with him. And so I really think they want him to step into that Monte Ginobili type role off the bench, provide some instant energy uh, and enthusiasm. And uh, I think he's going to do really well. I, I look for a good season out of Lonnie. This Joe, year. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up about it seems that Lonnie's betting on himself. Because uh, I've, I've had people, you know, I, I've described it that way. I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, but I've had people saying like, you know, well, he had to because, you know, what if the Spurs didn't offer him anything? I really don't think the Spurs came into this negotiation, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, but I don't think they came into this conversation uh, and their their offer was $0. We have no interest in extending you. Because I don't think that would work very well with Lonnie and his agent. I think that would result in... Uh, his agent, who is uh, Rich Paul of Clutch Sports, by the way. Also represents DeJounte Murray, too. Right. So. Um, and, you know, I, I really just don't see them doing that, especially because, you know, and because he's going to be a restricted free agent, they can match whatever he earns. And it's probably not going to break the bank, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But I just can't see them coming in and saying, we're going to pay you nothing. Would you, would you take that? And well, I don't think it was nothing, Tom. I think, you know, say a, a $10 was, million dollar a year deal right. or, it was, or it was probably, whatever the case may be. It was probably close to what his numbers to this point say he's worth. Sure. Yeah. Which I think Lonnie correctly believes is undervalued based on what, he can, what he can bring and what he thinks he can bring mm -hmm. in this year full of opportunity. Yeah, I mean, yep. if he can double his salary based on his performance this year, that's a, that's a, the gamble you take, you know? Because yeah. you know what? That... Eight to ten million dollar option is going to be available for him at the end of the season, wherever he goes to. Right. Looking at the the other salaries that were signed yesterday, uh, as as teams came to agreement, there's money to be made in the NBA, right. and he's going yes. to be able to do that. So, but the the uh -huh. other the other thing with this decision now uh, for the for the Spurs is for the Spurs and for Lonnie, he's talked about like my thing is consistency, bringing it focus every night, every quarter, and you know, contract year performance is a real thing. Yeah. Like that, that might be a, an effective motivating tool. I don't know. Um, he seems to be a big picture thinker. He's focused on, you know, not getting too high or too low, focusing on, on his mentality, trusting his teammates this season. But, um, you know, I, I think that this is going to be a, a pretty huge opportunity for him and, and the Spurs are going to be wanting to see, you know, what can he bring? 
Absolutely. Just, if you're not willing to gamble on yourself, who are you going right. to gamble on? Yeah. And, and I just think he's got that. He knows what he can do, and he knows what he can bring. And I just think this year he's really going to get the opportunity to uh, to show everybody what kind of player he is. And and I look forward to watching. And he knows where he needs to improve too. And that's where it comes down to you know it's really good to hear he's having conversations with Manu Ginobili. And I mean, what a what a significant asset for the Spurs to have for for guys, they're young guys like Lonnie and Devin Vassell and and uh, Keldon's been putting in work on that Euro step mm-hmm. too. You can yeah, see it. Just picking the brain <laughs> of one of the greatest of all time, right? So yeah, that was the best amazing. offseason move the Spurs made. Was, I'm gonna tell you right now, that was an the off best. season full of moves that I liked. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, the the last thing on Lonnie here. Like with John Collins, for example, mm. when when he made a decision, you know, no, I want more. I'm going to bet on myself. We found out through leak that, you know, Atlanta had offered him like four and ninety. We will get no such leaks with the Spurs. No, <laughs> um, you know, like it's just we're not going to know what was offered. Mm-hmm. Um, but whatever it is, you can assume that Lonnie and his group looked at it and say you know, I can earn more. And I think that's a really good mindset for him to have coming into the season. It's, yeah. it's a perfect time for him to bet on himself. And it may not be here in San Antonio. It may not be. It could be elsewhere. I hope not. I hope he stays here. Uh, but it, that very well may be somewhere else. Right. But the thing is, the Spur, wherever it is, the Spurs will have the option to say, you know what, right. no, we're going to pay him that. Yeah, Absolutely. You're coming, you're coming back home. Right and, right, and they will have the space to do that. They can go over cap space to bring him back. I don't know if they'd do that, but you know, the the Spurs have uh, team control still, and Lonnie has an opportunity to earn a much bigger bag. So, yeah, yep. I wish them both luck. That that decision yep. gets tabled for several months now. Throughout, uh, is they got to play up the whole regular season and to the postseason until next off season to see uh, where Lonnie does end up and for how much. Looking at the preseason that just wrapped. Um, did you guys have a big takeaway? It was like the one headline that you took away from those games. Joe, did you have a big point that stood out to you from this team? Here is what I'm going to say right now. Bryn Forbes is about to be a superstar in the NBA, and he's going to prove that this year. He'll be an all-star. I saw him come in here. He's, he knows he's got an opportunity to come back to this team. He loves San Antonio. He loves playing for Greg Popovich, and he knows now this is a team of young uh, athletic, just a, a run-and-gun style team. He fits in perfectly with that. I think he's going to become the leader that the Spurs are looking for, that guy they're going to go to in the fourth quarter when they need that bucket like they did DeMar DeRozan. Bryn Forbes is an all-star this year. That's what I see. Scalding wow. hot take alert. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, put, so I need a minute. little inside baseball. <laughs> just... just <laughs> Joe's got a, a big white wall behind him, and if you got a hot take, uh, a, a big prediction, you write it down on a little uh, yellow sticky oh, note. Oh, yeah, that's right. You put it on the yep. wall. Joe, you got to add the Bryn Forbes All Star uh, to the wall there. Wow, that's flaming hot. Wow. All right, I will say this: Bryn Forbes has come in here in the preseason and shown me that he is right now the best version of himself. Mm. And we've already seen some pretty darn good versions of Bryn Forbes here. He just won an NBA championship last year. Um, but, I mean, his energy on defense, which I constantly savaged in his final, you know, few months, maybe years here. He, like, he made a game-saving defensive play. He's, he's broke up a two-on-one fast break. And I don't expect him to be, like, a lockdown defender or anything, but he a, he's playing a perfect role coming off the bench. I don't think All-Star Joe. I think that's psychotic. <laughs> I love you. I think it's psychotic. Whoa. I think he's a three-point champion this year, though. <laughs> three-point contest champion? Tom, okay. could he be okay. Could he be the Jordan Clarkson for this team? I I think he can be the Bryn Forbes for this team. There you go. I, and I think every team needs a guy like Bryn Forbes because, I mean, his mid-range shots that he's getting to on his own, Nice. Contested doesn't matter. He's fading from, you know, 17 and, and getting you. Uh, he could dot an eye from 30 feet away with a basketball. Like, he's just a ridiculously accurate player. And I, I think exactly what the Spurs need coming off the bench. I don't think he's going to start. I think you would 
if if Bryn he's Forbes, gonna finish though, I'll promise we're, you. We're that. gonna we're gonna have to figure out what <laughs> I would do if Bryn Forbes was an all star this season for you, Joe. But uh, well, I expect you to get down and bow at the altar. Oh, That's for what sure, I expect. for sure. I already more than I already do. But I mean, I I really do think that this is gonna be the best version of him. And like at this point, with him coming off the bench. However many minutes he gets, however many minutes he earns in a in a game to game situation, at this point, the way he's playing, I'm totally fine with it. So I get the um, there was a lot of uh, kind of shoulder shrugging is the nice way to put it as to why he came back, why the Spurs brought him back yeah. at the um, you know at the risk of cutting into players' minutes who who might need the who who Spurs fans might have been more excited to see get the time like Devin Vassell, uh, you know. But if you're getting the best Bryn's Forbes, the most, most efficient Bryn Forbes you can, that's worth it, you know? And he's a great guy for those guys to pass to. Yeah. Yep. You know, like, that's the thing about pretty much all of these off-season acquisitions, Thad Young included, right? Like, Fit was a little clunky in the preseason. He's getting on the same page as his new teammates. Um, all of these guys, their ideal play style is off-ball complementary. Yeah. Whether it's, whether they're, you know snipers or big men um they are the the off-season acquisitions for this team were built as a supporting cast truly mm. for these young players um i mean you see it on fast breaks when, when lonnie walker is zooming down the court and he can just and there's Bryn forbes comfortably taking an open three and it's three points for the spurs and Bryn forbes it's an assist for lonnie walker uh and it's good basketball um yeah. And when you have those, like, I mean, Doug McDermott is another guy, and he's, I think, one of my big takeaways is that he's a, a wonderful fit with the starting unit. Yeah. Um, like, because he stretches the floor dangerously, he moves so well without the ball, not just getting threes. He's a dangerous cutter to the basket. He's a dangerous finisher inside. Um, and he's a guy who is going to run about zero pick and rolls a game. Um, and just let the young guys cook and, and wait for his opportunities. I love the, I love his chemistry with Jakob Pertl already. Yeah. It's so good. Um, the dribble handoffs have been, and it, and it's not just, you know, Jakob sets a screen and hands it to Doug, Doug shoots the three, three goes in, goes Spurs. It's, he gets the handoff. The defender comes around the screen. He takes a dribble or two in, hesitates, finds Jakob on the roll, like, like they're already developing really, really good two-man chemistry, and it's something that's going to be very important because Doug is going to be running off screens a lot of different ways. Um, I'm I'm really excited to see what he can. You know, it's so impressive. You know, we talked about all the overturn that this roster has had. To watch how quickly they've gelled, some of the guys like Doug McDermott, Jack Landale was playing great, uh, uh-huh. kind of two-man game with uh, with McDermott as well, and, and some instances yeah. throughout the uh, preseason as well. That was there was one play there where. Same thing, dribble handoff, right? Yeah. And because you're set up to, as a defense, you're set up, okay, don't let Doug McDermott get a three, right? And so they hedged against that. They were like, we're not going to let you go over. He was like, okay, fine, I'm going to cut to the basket. And Landale went from, I'm going to hand it off to you, to I'm passing it to you on the backdoor cut. Yeah. So fluidly and quickly, and like they just locked eyes and did it. Uh, and it's two brand new players to the team. Um, They've, they, they came a long way in the preseason already. So, so Joe, what, what's the, the cause for that? You know, is it just having smart players on your team? Is it like what Popovich was saying at media day? They're keeping it simple this year? Or is it just putting in the time and the work? You know, what, what's leading to, to this gelling on the court? I think it's all of the above. I mean, I think you made some good points right there. These guys are putting in the work. Did you see Keldon Johnson the other day? After the, the preseason game, he's back at the Spurs facility working on his game. And it's that kind of desire uh, the intelligence of, of this ball club is incredible. You talk about Doug McDermott. He, he, he may be one of the smartest guys around. Lonnie Walker, brilliant. Uh, you know, Keldon Johnson. I mean, these guys know, and they're smart, intelligent guys. And, and you know, they pick things up, and they understand the game. They understand what's happening and, and, and who's moving where and, and what we need to be and where we need to be. And, and you just see that. And, and they're still young. They've got a lot to learn. 
but they're they're getting there and they've grown up so much just since they got here all of those guys and i just think they're going to continue to improve and improve and improve and and this is why and and i know this wasn't a topic jackson but this is why i cannot stand all this ben simmons talk that all these spurs fans want ben simmons in here and trade off you know two or three of these young guys to the philadelphia 76ers the 76ers would love that so I hope that's going away, and that's the last I'll, I'll mention of that. But these guys, give them the opportunity to gel together and play some games together. I think this is going to be a team to be reckoned with in the, in the next couple of years. Yeah, we'll, we'll shelve the Ben Simmons conversation for today. Okay, it's, sorry. It's, it's, it's unfolding um, <laughs> minute by minute. You know, I don't know if you saw today he was thrown out of practice for not participating yes. in the defensive drill. Popovich yes. would go further than throwing him out of practice if he didn't participate yeah. in the drill. So we'll see. Um, uh, you know, I don't know when Keldon Johnson sleeps. It seems like he's always on the court. Um, maybe he doesn't need sleep. Maybe that's his secret. He's just got such a high motor. He's young. He's yeah. young. <laughs> yeah, they all are. Um, I think my biggest <laughs> takeaway from, from watching this preseason is, you know, maybe since about 2012, 2013, the secret weapon to the San Antonio Spurs hasn't been, you know, the, the passing or the shooting or the all-stars. It's been the depth you know, the second unit has carried this team for a while. Last season, the second unit the team had was the, one of the best lineups in, in basketball. Even with the loss of guys like Rudy Gay and Patty Mills, I don't see that changing this year. This is a team of depth again that Lonnie Walker and Bryn Forbes, all-star Bryn Forbes, and Thad Young now, who's still on this team, uh, Drew Eubanks, this is a team that's going to run on second units with their second units, and I'm excited to see that. Uh, I'm excited to see Lonnie Walker at the forefront of that, and I think the other guy, the other ball handler next to Lonnie on the court is Josh Primo. I don't care that he's 18 years old. I don't care that the best thing for him, probably developmentally, is to spend a year in Austin alongside Devontae, Kaycock, and Joe Wieskamp, <laughs> which, I mean, is going to be a fun Austin team. Let's talk about a guy who can who run yeah. the ball, run the point with those guys alongside him. He can pick and roll alongside Kaycock. He can throw it out to Wieskamp for an open three. The best thing for him is to be the second guy on the bench. Talk about a bench unit of Primo, Forbes, Walker, Thad Young, Devin Vassell. That's, that's, I mean, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm excited to see any NBA minutes. Really, any time Josh Primo has a basketball hand, I, I want to be there watching it. Like, yeah. Like I want to, I want to see everything this guy can do. Um, he's extremely talented. He's uh, ridiculously comfortable for a kid his age. Um, and I understand the urge to like overreact to how good he's been. There have been some crazy ones. Like he's that step already step back three. He's a oh yeah no. Uh, <laughs> but I've seen some like he should start. He's already the Spurs' best player. <laughs> Breaks a little bit. Breaks, a lot of people don't think about this, but they're really important to going fast because, yes. you know, you got to go slow sometimes before you can go fast. And uh, Primo, though, is a rare rookie where he's, he's a rare Spurs rookie. He's a rare 18 year old where I'm watching him play and I'm like, I don't know. I, he looks very ready to me. Um, so any anytime he can contribute and it, and it seems like the game just bends toward him when he's mm. in it you know like the opponent knows his teammates know the crowd knows that he's going to make a big play some way um and then he does and so uh yeah rare talent um already proving uh draft night negative overreactions to be fairly uh bad um, yeah, I was one of those guys too. I'll admit it. I was like, "What? Why?" Yeah, I mean, but yeah, culpa across the board. The, yeah, right? well, yeah. the thing is, it was either it was either that or like rage or like, I mean, I don't get it, but let's see. Like, like those sure. those were the three main reactions. There was nobody who was like, "Oh my god, yes, I'm I." This was the guy that was on the top of my list for the Spurs <laughs> to take. Right, right. At, with this pick, like that, that just wasn't. I mean. You know, and and it's not. Uh, I mean, we, we're seeing now. Spurs turns out did more homework than us on that. Um, so yeah. So guys, twenty games in the G League. Are you taking the over or the under, Joe? What, what's your thought? I, I'm going to take the over there. I think mm -hmm. he goes to the G League, and and here's why I say that. Everybody's excited. I hate preseason, whether it's basketball, football, baseball. Because the level, once the regular season starts, the ball goes up, 
the level of competition goes up with it. And things are going to change a little bit, and we're going to see. And Greg Popovich knows that. And I'm not saying Primo wouldn't be able to handle it. He, he very well may. But that level of competition is going to rise, and everybody's going to see a, a little bit different. It's going to get more physical. It's it, it, just a lot of things are going to change. And so I want to see how he does there. But I think he starts in the G League, and, and he plays there for a little while. I don't think he starts here in San Antonio tomorrow night. Tom, over or under 20 games in the G League for Josh Primo? I say under, and here's why. Mm. Uh <laughs> Josh Give me Primo, a take, Tom. Josh Primo, if you look at what he does on the court, what he's able to do on the court, um, his ability off the dribble, both to create his own shot and to penetrate and find teammates, um, is something that I did not expect to see from him before the start of his rookie season uh, on draft night. Did not expect to see it. Yeah. Um, and... His ability to do both of those things, but especially create his own three-point shot off the dribble, it's not something that the Spurs have a lot of players who are naturals at doing. Mm. Uh, We're seeing an increased willingness and an increased maybe accuracy here from DeJounte Murray, Derek White, Lonnie Walker, who I think right now is the most natural off-the-bounce three-point shot creator, at least through the preseason. Um, Derek White up there as well. But, you know, Keldon, most of these guys, you would rather have them going downhill attacking the basket. And Primo brings a skill that's at a premium in the NBA for good reason. And he's just, like, so, so good at it, not just for an 18-year-old, but in general. Um, And I can see him playing, like, I can see a situation where he plays maybe, like, five, six games for Austin and they're watching him play and they're like, okay, yeah, no, we, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I won't disagree. I'm not going to disagree with you, Tom, but whose minutes is he going to take? Who's I'll minutes does he Forbes. take? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think it's Trey Jones. Who's, who's the odd man yeah. out there. Unfortunately, right. uh, he, he fits alongside Lonnie and, um, and Bryn Forbes and Thad Young and Devin Vassell in that second unit. I, I think I don't expect him to start out with a big role in the NBA, but I think, I mean, there are going to be games when they go to him yeah. off the bench. And there, I mean, there might be games where a starter is out and to maintain the continuity of the second unit and the first unit, Pop throws him in there. as a, I could see that happening. We saw year. that with Trey Jones in a few right. games last season. I mean, here's the thing. You know, we've seen the Spurs maybe frustratingly use the G League to kind of bring their rookies up to speed. And sometimes they spend two years there. Sometimes they spend two years there and they get cut the following season. Um, it's rare, though. It's rare. But, you know, what we Can haven't happen, seen is the Spurs <laughs> send a lottery pick to Austin for, for a, lo- a significant right. amount of time. That's because they don't have a lot of lottery picks. The guy they took last year in the 11 spot, Devin Vassell, didn't play a minute with the G League. Whether or not that was because he was a lottery pick and a little more talented, a little more skilled, or because there wasn't really a G League, there was the the gubble, the G bubble, um, if that affected things. I mean, I think that the verdict's out. To me, it would, I think, under 20 makes sense to me in the same way, Tom, you're talking about. I think maybe it's a dozen games, maybe 15 games. Personally, I don't want him in Austin unless he's going to see, I don't know, the Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros or, or the Polyphonic Spree or any of these. Uh, are, they, are these still bands? Deep Cuts. Uh, deep Cuts. You know, <laughs> Skrillex. Is that? I don't know. Go to Austin, see, see a band. Maybe go to the F1 race this uh, this coming weekend and uh, the, the Circuit of the Americas. But, you know. Forza Ferrari, baby. Stay out of, eat at Kirby Lane before the one here opens. You know, do see the sights. Swim at Barton Springs. Come meet my puppy. Come meet Tom's puppy in Austin. Oh, yeah. Josh Primo, <laughs> go meet Tom's puppy. Oh yeah, um, Dottie is an absolute joy. But yeah, otherwise, otherwise, stay stay with the, the the real silver and black here in San Antonio. It's not my decision. All right, that's we'll the preseason. Tomorrow, Wednesday, the regular season for the San Antonio Spurs kicks off seven thirty p.m. inside the AT and T Center. Joe, you'll be there. Tom, you'll be there as the silver and black take on the Orlando Magic. You guys excited? Let's get this money, baby. Yes, let's do it. <laughs> Let's go. I think it's too early to dive into the takeaways. What are we looking for? The matchups here. We don't. We saw the magic in the preseason. You know, it, it, like you said, Joe, it's the preseason. I'm just excited yep. to see this team play with the momentum, the energy we've seen them. I think it, it, it's gone unnoticed for the most part, but DeJounte Murray was one of the most efficient 
ball handlers and scorers in the preseason. Let's see if that carries over. I think this is a big year for him. See if he gets off to a big start. Joe, are you looking at anything in particular? I, I just want to see how they play when it's when it's for real. You know, let's go. These guys have looked good. They're hustled. They're all. Uh, are they going to have the same style? Is it going to be what we saw in the preseason? Is it going to be any different? Will Pop do something different that makes us all pull our hair out or not? I, I don't know. But I'm, I'm ready to see these guys on the floor for real and, and just see what they've got when when it counts in the in the win and loss column. I know, Tom, you're paying attention to the Drew Eubanks Mobamba matchup. Is that what you uh, got your eyes on there? Electric. <laughs> Electric, Electric factory. <laughs> um, hey, my boy, Drew though, Eubanks. No joke. Come on. He's looked good. He's looked good. Um, something that I am looking for in this game and games like it for the Spurs um, Orlando is a team that you have a good chance of beating. You arguably should beat Orlando, especially they've got five guys out right now. Um, I think this Spurs team is going to be maybe better than last year's at those take care of business games against teams that you look at the schedule and you say we should beat them. Um, Spurs, something they've done all preseason is shoot more threes and hit some more threes than they did last year when they were bottom of the league. In the win against the Rockets, they were 15 of 39. And I think last year they had eight total games with 15 or more made threes, and they had just four games where they attempted 39 or more. We're going to see this team play great defense. We're going to see this team shoot more threes. Um, and I think that the, uh, the level at which they do that is going to decide how they win games on a nightly basis and how many games they win in total. That's Tom Petrini. You can find him at Twitter, at RealTomPetrini. And, of course, catch all of his Spurs coverage at Kins5.com for the Kins5 digital team here. Tom, real quick before we let you go, give me a win total number, and are the Spurs in the playoffs, in the play-in, or totally out of it? 38. Ooh. Play-in, maybe home team. There we go. Wow. All right, Joe Reinagle, catch him on Kins5. For all your Spurs coverage, of course, you'll be there tomorrow night for the game, pre, uh, looking at the, the pregame here, and then also uh, catching us up with what happened and what was said after the game. Joe, same question. Win total, playoff, play in, or out of it? I think they're so unknown. I want to see how they develop, but I'll give you a number. I'm going to say 32 wins, 32, and they miss the playoffs right now. I reserve the right to change my mind. <laughs> I mean, but for now, Joe, that's written in stone until you do. So. That's written in stone. I'm going to put it on my wall. <laughs> and, and yeah, and you can find him at JoeKins5 on Twitter as well. I'm Jackson Floyd at JacksonKins5. Going into the preseason, I said 32 wins. I've bumped it up to 35, maybe 36. Um, that's fringe play-in territory. I give him the 10 spot there. We'll see how it all unfolds starting tomorrow night. Spurs, Magic, AT&T Center. We are the Big Fundamental Podcast, the San Antonio Spurs podcast, brought to you by Ken's 5, the official station of the San Antonio Spurs. Thank you all for listening.